0: Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. America, we are endowed by
1: our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit
0: gcu.edu.
2: Welcome to Girl on the Gov, the podcast
0: where our goal is to make politics more accessible and less intimidating.
2: The show features an interview with an expert in the political field, walking us through the many cues we have about politics, civics, government, and more.
0: By providing civic education in the places we are, on our phones, and in the language we speak. <laughs> yes, know we say like a lot. It's kind of the point, because <laughs> politics
2: needed a rebrand. Welcome back to Girl on the Cup, the podcast. Happy Wednesday, another Wednesday, another week, another dollar. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> another, another
0: day, dollar, another dollar, another... but another week, another dollar, another Wednesday. That just made me think of like Dollop for Daisy. Do you remember those commercials from when we were kids? Of course. Like, and I've never even eaten whatever that is. Was it sour, sour cream? cream. Mm hmm. Actually, well, I know this is not going to surprise you because you know all of my food situations. I also don't feeling. I know salary. what you are going to say. Yeah, yeah. What is there to talk about today? Okay, so very slow and bizarre, like newsday. I or just odd, uh, just very uh, no slow. I think I don't even want to say odd. It just was slow. But one thing that did pop on my radar was that, that Trump is going to be at the Iowa State Fair, and I just immediately. Was thinking of the memes that could come out of this. Was he not there last time? No, oh, no. Like I would assume, like that's such a candidate-heavy event. Like that's such a specific thing that's always like on the rotation. So, oh, one you know what? It. it
2: was he wasn't because it wasn't. It was like the Dem primary. Interesting. So it was all the Dem candidates in 2020 that were that there, and that's mean. like. All of the like corn pictures and they were all like eating corn together and
0: oh there. corn kid TBT. But no, I just the That will be the very thing interesting. That, like, does he get pied? Um I also I was like putting this on our story because I was just like LOLing to myself as per usual. And I really I don't know how you spell pied. Is it a verb? Is it even a word? Like I really was trying to really right. think about this, and I was like, I did. Yeah. Well,
2: yeah, no, that's gonna be the content from the Iowa State Fair is gonna be interesting. Um, mm-hmm. This GOP debate as well, which I'm very excited for coming up. You're Let's gonna watch a real hoot, of course. How could I miss? How could <laughs> I miss it? Yeah. Some this article too says that Trump might might skip the debate. I'm like, I thought he for sure wasn't going, oh, but. Okay. You know he's just a loose fucking cannon. He can like last minute be like, you know what? No, I'm gonna go, and he's gonna be like no prep and just go and like <laughs> be an egotistical. Maniac. And his
0: baseball love it. You know, like that's oh, the thing. Like, yeah, it's
2: no, it's like. It's... What was like? Whoever said that one quote about like him being able to like shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and get away with it was it him? Did he say that about himself or was that? Somebody I else? think he might
0: have. <laughs> I think he might have. Like, he, he might really, have. he, look, he is a cult leader and he knows it. It's very mm-hmm. scary, all the things. Always scary, but obviously top of mind as to sort of like where we are and like this spectrum of presidential race meets indictments meets, you know, like just everything else going on in the world and so crazy. And I just like, I don't know, like I feel like there needs to be some type of urban dictionary term to like, maybe it's just cult leader to define him. Because today when I was writing viral which because if you don't know is our social media consulting newsletter for the political political space pretty cool pretty cool i was i've started this section that's all social media slash cultural pop culture related terms and Mm -hmm. i defined riz which was so interesting in a political spectrum obviously obama was the example of someone that has riz and a video and then riz other like
2: swag i don't even know what that means
0: yeah okay wow Get, get your Gen Z on, Maddie. Yeah, it's Amen. like someone that has like, it comes, it's like derived from like the word charisma, but it's like someone that has like swag or like could be kind of like a player, like they're just sort of like super smooth and like mm-hmm. vibe. And in an essence, Trump kind of has that, but like not in a positive way. So I it's think like Biden has that. Bad. Biden totally has Riz. Yeah.
2: Well, the other thing happening today, and I hope that by the time this comes out tomorrow, there is yeah. some positive news about the election in Ohio. Oh, that's, that's a big different. one on the docket this week. But we will see again, hopefully everyone listening future future so uses are excited about the results that come. Did you see happen to see Brian's post about that one mailer that went out in Ohio? Now, Charlotte, um, I'll send it to you. We can look at it. It was just like this like conservative mailer that went out for a vote. Yes. On issue one in Ohio. And just like the contents of it. I can't. There's this drag queen on it and they go radical liberal special interest groups are trying to hijack Ohio's constitution to impose the following. Radical trans ideology in our schools, sex change operations for kids without any parental involvement, abortion on demand, even in the 40th week of pregnancy, destroyed the rights of parents to protect their own children. Vote yes on issue one.
0: It's <laughs> like,
2: insane.
0: It just, just pulling shit out of their assholes. Like, totally. Like, it is, it is like, I guess it's the constant Debate in circle around free speech of like being able to publish untruths and yeah. where what like where does the line go with facts because you like think about to shoot I'm gonna blank on like what state this was like are not like pre- crisis pregnancy centers being allowed to continually yeah. provide misinformation like it's not just like misinformation that we're dealing with like on social media and people having their own idea and spewing it like. These or are organizations, institutions that are allowed to publish and put forward and share information that's not true. Yeah. Like I even I, beyond I, again, that, like I now the
2: whole rights you know, push on literally changing like history books and education and sex education and all of these things, just making shit up to like scare people or write a, a different narrative than the actual like truth is beyond me. Ron Santos looking at you. Also, oh my God,
0: I have another thing I have to talk about. I'm so curious.
2: I don't know if you had another comment.
0: Oh, I do. And that's just to like your point of like the, All the things that we're seeing coming out of Florida with like changing literally history is. It's well, it's obviously insane, but like then like PragerU is like one of the more I don't know all of it's so wild. Like, I don't know what's more wild, like PragerU, like literally being able to like show like their misinformation videos in public schools to like. AP psychology not being in line with don't say gay and like not having the course and getting to a fight with the college board to having like don't say gay to the point of like a parent being able to sue the school for anything they don't like and it has to come out of the school's budget and therefore you could literally defund a school by usurping its entire budget and then this being a part of like a larger scale plan to defund and privatize public education like the shit is why I'm like I don't know off. what like ah uh. And I just look, I mean, 10 points for creativity, I guess. But I cannot believe sometimes like the stuff that even comes to mind for someone to come up with this shit. Yeah, it's uh, like it's and it's not even like honestly it's not, not, not even they're not the smart. Same.
2: They're not smart lies. They're not like they're like that shit fucking crazy. Like a kindergartner could make up the fucking lies and conspiracy theories they come up with i'm like you couldn't think of something that like is actually more realistic than maybe people normal people could believe you couldn't be smarter about it kind of crazy well yeah the other thing i just wanted we haven't talked about you and i is the whole mm-hmm. um gavin ron Santos debate i need to know when is this happening can i get front row tickets and mm-hmm. why is this like the most attractive thing like a man has ever done? I've always thought like Gavin, obviously good looking guy, Gavin but has something about this move by him. I'm just like, it's kind of like seeing like a guy that you're attracted to, like play a sport they're good at. Seeing them play in a game, you're like, oh, it just makes them so much more attractive. Like this is that for Gavin Newsom. I'm like,
0: Oh, a thousand percent.
2: This is going to be
0: incredible. Although offense. it is like a little bit like Elon Zuckerberg cage fight yeah. vibes. Like, I feel yeah. like it's almost. My like friend I thought of, that
2: he was running for president because this came out. She was like, oh, my God, I didn't know Gavin was going to run for president. Like, he's not. He's just like debating a guy who's running for president.
0: But, I mean, I definitely think he will at some point. Like, I yeah. for sure suspect that in the post-Biden era that he will for sure. And I think he's using this time to create that base and that following and that's exactly why he wants to debate DeSantis, so i think he wants the stuff on record i think he wants clips for now and for the future because obviously we've seen video mm-hmm. like all of that sort of coming together i first of all agreed front row seats so for anyone can hook us up by all means brother oh my god as the as the influencers as the content creators the podcasters we'll we'll be there we'll be recording we'll be I mean, we could. So be. I think it's going to happen be. in the fall.
2: I actually, we definitely should work on like, can we, can we go, on, can we go to this? Can we report on this? Can they bring some influencers into the mix to clip and react and put it all over social media? Like that would be a good idea. So, Genius. um, that's going to be a new project here at Girl on the Gov, and we're going to be representatives for you guys at this life-changing, pres- not presidential debate. So, wow. Sorry. It's the political nerd in me. What can I say? And the petty, the petty bitch.
0: (laughs) No, I, I I can't express my comparable story of pettiness on a public platform. But Mm. when I tell you that I understand,
2: (laughs) I know you do. I know you do.
0: <laughs> <So. laughs> Proven track record. Check. Thank you. Thank you very yeah. much. But no, I really, this is my question to you is like looking at, how do I want to phrase this question? Looking at, what is the year? Oh no. 2024, 2028. I oh, really, the math twenty twenty three. <laughs> no, I like literally was like, wait a second, one more. Oh. <laughs> Like who what do you see? I guess it's too hard to predict. We're too far away. Why am I even trying to ask this? Who's going to
2: run? I think I think Gavin will run. Yeah, but I think it's just like now at this point, especially on the Democratic Party side, like it's about goddamn time to have a woman president, and Beyond. it's not another time for like another white man. So. That's, I think, the biggest hurdle and like no from me for Gav. Like, I, I do want to see yeah. him be president one day, but it's just like we needed a woman president yesterday. So that's I just, how I feel about
0: Pete, too. It's like, yeah, both of them, I am a fan, but like, I mean, at look, least I've, is
2: a minority in in a, in a sense, you know,
0: like, true. So, no, I, right just man. Look, like, I love like. I love the Gretsch. So I'm just mm. holding out hope. With all of
2: that hoopla said, should we get into this episode? Because we have
0: another guest this I week. I guess we could. I guess we should. No, another really pertinent,
2: guest... pertinent, interesting, and informative episode.
0: I mean, that's what we do. That's Thank all you for we do. reading our boilerplate. <laughs> Maddie Here is just. Just written it right or written it read it right off the script there. Regardless, Mm -hmm. we do have a really awesome guest, and she is the executive director and founder of Unchained at Last, Brady Reese. She founded this organization to work to end child marriage across this country. You guys heard us talk a little bit about child marriage in our conversation with Delegate Young from West Virginia and the fight that was going on specific to that state. and Also two kind of larger themes, but this particular episode really goes into this issue in depth. And of course, also defining the term, like what is an arranged marriage versus a forced marriage? Where does child marriage come in? You know, what does the legislation look at, look like at a national level? Is that possible? or does it need to get the state? We get into all these different dynamics. We get into it. We go around all these rabbit holes, all the best rabbit holes. Oh my God, I sound like Trump. All, all the best, best rabbit, rabbit holes. Dear <laughs> God, I can't. Anyways, we really do. And it, she is such a delight. So without further ado, here is Freya Reese. All right. Welcome to a Girl in the the podcast. We are so excited to have you. So much to talk about. And You have to get into it. You are the executive director, the founder of Unchained at Last. And for those that might not be familiar, can you tell us about the organization, what you guys do, how it all began? Sure. Well, there's a
1: lot there. So uh, I could talk about that all day. But to keep it brief, we are a survivor-led nonprofit, and our goal is to end forced and child marriage in the United States. And we do that through both direct services, helping individuals escape from forced and child marriages and systems change. <laughs> we are determined to yeah. to pass laws and, po- and promote policies and educate policymakers and the public so that we can eventually put ourselves out of business. We want to end forced and child marriage in the United States. And I came to this through my own traumatic experience. I myself am a forced marriage survivor.
2: Mm. Okay. Yeah. I was curious what the founding story was and if you can kind of give us that that background of really how this organization and this mission really came to be
1: Yeah well I grew up in New York City and but I grew up in a very insular religious very fundamentalist religious community very cult-like community where forced marriage at a young age is just the norm it's just the way it works. And in my case, I was forced to marry a stranger who turned out to be violent, something I learned only one week after my wedding. But still, all the, 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 the rules and policies, it doesn't matter. They all apply. It doesn't matter if you're unhappy or if you're unsafe, if you're in an abusive, violent marriage. And in fact, while I was a bride, I was subjected to a virginity exam. That's still happening here in the United States, a virginity exam to confirm that my hymen was intact and I was a so-called virgin. And then within my marriage, no sexual or reproductive rights. Forced to have unprotected sex with my husband on my wedding night and on a monthly basis thereafter. Timed for when I was ovulating so that I was also forced to have two children without my consent. And then when I finally managed to escape with my two daughters after 15 years in this abusive marriage, my family retaliated by shunning me. they declared me dead. until today, more than a decade later, they still consider me dead. but that's why I rebuilt my life and I found it ungene at last to be there for others who are going through that same hellish nightmare that I was once trapped in. Wow.
0: It's absolutely heartbreaking but also so brave from your end of all of the you know the steps that you've taken and also, of course, taken that experience to help others. And so I'm curious from being able to inform the process and experience from your own, how does Anjinda Blast work to help other survivors, help other women escape and, you know, sort of start over? Yeah, and I should say it's not only women because...
1: We help anyone. A lot of the, the survivors that we work with are from the LGBTQ community and their parents have used marriage as a form of conversion therapy,
0: mm. which mm. is
1: really awful to see. But the services that we provide, and by the way, they're always for free and we do not charge for any of our services. They're really comprehensive wraparound services and often life saving, very crucial services. Everything from creating and implementing an escape plan in many cases when individuals reach out to us they are not safe wherever they are they're being held against their will while a, a, a forced marriage is being planned for them and their plans for that wedding or they've already been forced to marry and are in an unsafe situation so getting them out physically getting them away from danger and someplace safe typically that will be a domestic violence shelter that's often our first step. And then, as you said, it's not just helping them escape. It's not just getting out of a bad situation, there's also rebuilding a life. And our ultimate goal is to support every individual to help them achieve financial and emotional independence. And our policies, we stay involved in our clients' lives for as long as they want us, and we provide free legal representation and all kinds of emotional support and psychotherapy, financial coaching, and really there's no, no two cases are the same. It's let's sit down and figure out what you need, what is your goal for the future, and how can we help you get there?
0: Mm.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I think it'd be really great to kind of get some definitions as well. And we want to move into our high of a stupid question segment to kind of do all of that. And the first thing we want to define is obviously like a forced marriage. What is a forced marriage? How does it work?
1: That's a very good question. And I think there's a lot of confusion about that and a lot of confusion about the differences between forced marriage and arranged marriage and forced marriage and child marriage. So I'm glad you started with that. A forced marriage means one or both parties do not give full free consent. And it can happen at the point of entry into the marriage. One or both parties are forced to marry, meaning they do not give full free consent to the marriage. But even if somebody enters into a marriage consensually, it can become a forced marriage if they're then forced to stay in it, if they want to leave. And they do not give their full free consent to stay in the marriage and are prevented from leaving it. And a forced marriage can happen at any age. And, and it's, it's very rare that it's one person forces one person to marry them. There's this misconception, A, that there's a gun to the head. We have worked with survivors who are married at gunpoint, but that's rare. Most oh of what we're seeing is there are so many other ways to coerce somebody into a marriage uh, and uh, marry them off without their consent. But then this other the other misconception is that it's one perpetrator. And I think in a lot of people's heads, it's one man forcing one woman or girl to marry him. And in actuality, what we see that's often much bigger than that. There's these are systemic structural abuses. There's typically not one perpetrator. But I can say though that, that one commonality that we see among almost everyone we've worked with, and certainly was true in my own case is that parents play an important role in facilitating a forced marriage, which makes the whole thing even more heartbreaking and traumatic and makes escape that much more difficult. The people who would typically help you are the ones who are doing this to you. Arranged marriage, the difference between forced and arranged is supposed to be the difference between consent and coercion. In an arranged marriage, both parties consent to having their marriage arranged for them. There's such a fine line though. Because if you grew up in a community where everybody's marriage is arranged Mm -hmm. and you cannot say no or opt out of that arranged marriage system, we do not consider that to be a so-called arranged or consensual marriage. And so we let survivors tell us whether they felt that they had the ability to say no. But it's important though, not to let communities label forced marriage as arranged marriage, which, which some communities have done, and then say, you have nothing to look at here, nothing bad happening. These are arranged marriages, not forced. Labeling, mm-hmm. labeling a pile of shit, a bucket of roses doesn't make it a bucket of roses. Yeah. And a child marriage means one or both parties are under age 18 at the point of entry into the marriage. And a child marriage can easily be forced. Simply because children have such limited legal rights. Minors in the United States don't have basic rights, like the right to leave home, get into a domestic violence shelter, retain an attorney, file for divorce, or bring other legal action. Because of minors' limited legal rights, a child marriage can easily be forced. So a forced marriage could happen at any age, and some people who are forced to marry are children And a child marriage can easily be forced. But those are two separate and distinct abuses.
0: Totally. I'm curious, though, like the relation between them, like are are there typically more forced marriages related to child marriages or does it seem to sort of go above, you know, across the spectrum of below and above 18? Yeah,
1: very good question. And unfortunately, we do not have hard data on that because so little research has been done on forced marriage in the United States that we simply don't know the age, how often it's happening and what age group it's most typically happening to. I can tell you anecdotally at Unchained, most of the forced marriage survivors we work with are married as adults, not as children. Most of the survivors we work with are forced to marry in their late teens and early 20s. And certainly we have a lot of survivors we work with who are children or were forced to marry as children, but we're certainly seeing more of it in uh, adults. Not that that you that's that's those are the that's the self-selecting group of survivors who have reached out to us, but that is something right. that we need to study in the U.S. My guess is that it's happening. As we know that 300,000 minors were married in the U.S. between 2000 and 2018, which is a shockingly high number, and we know just based on the facts that probably most of them, if not all of them, were forced marriage by by some definition. In fact, the uh, United Nations considers all child marriage to be forced. My suspicion is that forced marriage of adults makes that number look tiny, that it's it's happening Mm -hmm. even more frequently to adults.
0: Totally. Well, that was kind of going to be like the next question is like, how prevalent are these practices in the U.S.? But I think maybe the better question is, why isn't it talked about as much? Why is this sort of one of those issues that feels, you know, swept under the rug or, you know, just like not top of the news cycle? Because this I mean, you just said it. I mean, the UN thinks that all child marriages are forced marriages. Also, a forced marriage after eighteen clearly also a tragedy as well. So, like, what what's your take on that? It, this is one of my biggest frustrations in life. I can tell you, I talk
1: about this all the time. I don't get invited to parties anymore because this is all I talk about. <laughs> but and I'm so grateful that you're talking about it today. And I hope everybody who's listening and watching is going to talk about this and. I'm always, at Unchained, we write op-ed articles, and we've invented a form of protest called a chaining, where we wear bridal gowns and chains to protest force and child marriage. And we've done documentary films, TV, radio, newspaper interviews. I mean, we're doing whatever we can. It feels a lot like... A lot of times, like we're shouting into the wind, just trying to get Americans to care. This is happening. It's happening because of dangerous, outdated, archaic laws or lack of laws and policies. There are solutions here. Somebody please pay attention. Um, but we're going to keep pushing and hoping eventually people start listening.
2: Yeah, I think it's so hard, too. When you don't have like that hard data to, uh, to really show people as well and that it's so underreported. But curious for our next question is, what is honor violence and how does that play into this conversation?
1: Yeah, So honor violence is violence that is committed against somebody who is perceived to have brought shame upon their family. It's typically committed against women and girls who have been perceived to violate a social norm or some sort of social custom, and in that way have shamed the family, dishonored the family. And the way it comes into play in terms of forced marriage is that, unfortunately, what we see again and again is individuals, typically women or girls, who try to resist a forced marriage that their family is planning for them, in many cases, are met with honor violence. I often talk about how my family shunned me and they declared me dead when when I escaped my forced marriage. And shunning is a form of honor violence that people don't always recognize as as such. But that and it's a violent act to declare mm-hmm. somebody dead, to basically kill them off, emotionally yes. speaking. But we have seen also and we have definitely uh, we have worked with other survivors who face that same ostracism and shunning as a form of honor violence. But we also have seen all kinds of uh, abuse and violence, including murder. We have seen more than once uh, a murder. And it's, again, pe- people aren't talking about this. This is happening here in the United States. Force marriage, honor violence, mm. these are happening
0: right here. Mm. Yeah, totally. Which is Hannah's in so many dynamics and it's a curious connection between laws that exist or don't exist. And so I'm curious what marriage laws exist currently that are working or have potential. And I'm also curious about what laws don't exist that are creating more issues. So I'm
1: gonna separate those and that answer into two different categories because on forced marriage, we are way behind in terms of laws and policies. There are almost no laws and policies in place in the US to prevent or punish forced marriage, to even acknowledge that forced marriage exists. we really have a long way to go on that. And actually right now, we at Unchained have partnered with, with researchers at Columbia University, and we're doing this big three-year study, the first of its kind, where we're looking at forced marriage, forced marital sex, and forced parenthood, because forced marital sex and forced parenthood, unfortunately, what we have seen are inextricably linked to and tied with forced marriage. So we're studying what that looks like in the United States through a case study of the ultra-Orthodox Jewish community in New York City. That's the community where I was subjected to all three of those abuses. So we, are, we just started this year in this big study where it's not just research, we're also looking for policy ideas and, and how we can address this in com- religious minoritized community like my, form, my former community, but also in all communities across the United States. We're working with a group of activists from within that community who are helping us design and lead the study. And are also going to be the primary consumers of the data that we compile. To We want to empower them to be able to push for change from within the community, as well as any push for any laws or policies that need to be changed from outside that community.
0: How do you then enforce something if you create it, especially amongst an insular community? What, you know, what actually then sticks? It's like sometimes great to have a law, to have a policy, but then if it's not enforced, it's just on the books. It's not doing anything. So curious your perspective on that as
1: well exactly we are very aware that we are not going to be able to legislate away forced marriage in the orthodox jewish community or in other minoritized religious community or any community at all which is why we're going into into this with a very different perspective it's not what law can we write it's what needs to be done within the community Whose minds and hearts need to be changed within the community to get them to understand the impact this is having and and make the change from within? And are there laws and policies from outside that also need to change? We want to look at both of those, recognizing that it's not one bill we're going to pass that's going to be a magic bullet that's going to end this centuries-old or millennia-old practice Mm-hmm. On the child marriage part, though, that's that's the thing that's so compelling about the child marriage piece of it is that child marriage is so much easier, first of all, to define, mm-hmm. because I'm sure my family would say, well, you didn't say no, that wasn't a forced marriage. Child marriage objectively is easy to define. It's a marriage in which one or both persons are under age 18. It's much easier to quantify. With forced marriage, we would have to do all surveys and, and it, it would be this huge undertaking. With child marriage, it's still a huge undertaking because there is no central repository for this information in the U.S. But we have created that central repository. We have started compiling, w- retrieving and compiling marriage certificate data from across the U.S. And very objectively, you can look at a marriage certificate and see, was, was anyone who was married in any, any party to this marriage under the age of 18? You could look at marriage certificates all day and you wouldn't know which ones of them were for. So we can quantify it. And then we can easily legislate it away. because what we are promoting in states across the U.S. is simple common sense legislation to keep the marriage age at 18 because almost every state already has an 18 marriage age, but eliminate the dangerous loopholes under which as of 2015, when we first started working on this, Every single state allowed children under 18 to be entered into marriage. So just keep the marriage age at 18, eliminate the loopholes. We're talking about legislation that harms no one, costs nothing, and ends what the U.S. State Department calls a human rights abuse. It's so simple and easy. Mm-hmm. And if all 50 states did that, we would eliminate legal child marriage in the United States.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that makes me so curious, to like what the politics are like around this issue and kind of who are the political leaders, essentially, who, you know, do want to see this change, who don't. What does that landscape look like politically?
1: Well, at first, we thought because we're promoting such simple, common sense legislation, we have a price tag of zero dollars and zero cents. That's including tax. We thought and it's and but it. Such a small price tag and yet, such a huge benefit. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of children who would be spared a human rights abuse if we passed this legislation. And by the way, of the 300,000 minors who married recently in the United States, almost all of them were girls married to adult men. So primarily, we would be saving hundreds of thousands of girls. And we thought, hey, legislators are going to give us a hug and a high five and immediately and unanimously pass these bills. And instead, in state after state, we got nothing but pushback. It took years till we got any state to pay any attention to us. And what we found was a, a combination of, of reasons that legislators were pushing back. The first one we kept getting was, oh, I'm just still old-fashioned. I still believe if a girl gets pregnant, she has to get married, even if she was raped. And I should have warned you because my... Okay, well, I just...
2: Can't. Exactly.
1: Exactly. That's when you need, yeah. like, a little garbage can next to you because you want yeah. to throw up <laughs> yeah. into a garbage that can. A thousand like, okay, can I just check the calendar again? I thought we were in year 2023 and we weren't married enough girls to their rapists anymore. But, you know, yeah. I guess I got that one wrong. So you have that part of it, which is just disgusting. And then... We also just got a lot of, you know, we love, love, love to get to that. We're just so busy because legislators are not accustomed to prioritizing girls' issues. They're they're not going to make it rich off of this legislation. No one's going to make it rich. All we're going to do is spare girls. And these are girls who aren't even old enough to vote. Legislators, frankly, the technical term is they don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. And so what we saw in state after state was legislators not pushing back, but just not yeah, we don't have the five minutes it would take to vote yes on ending child marriage. So sorry, we'll get right back to you on that. That makes no
2: sense to me too, because I feel like a lot of legislators also just like to write a bill and pass it really quick and like put it on their, you know, their list of all the things that they've accomplished. So it's just like this seems like something that could be that, you know, like can be like some that kind of piece of legislation for some of these people that hope like would make sense to be just un- unanimously passed and not take that much of their time. So that's just so shocking.
1: Well, what turned, what ended up happening though is it turned out that these bills didn't pass as easily as we thought that it was going to take mm. legislators time because you had those, it, you part of my language, <laughs> but the asphalt, exactly sitting there going, but if she's pregnant and then we had so many obnoxious, what what I termed vomitocious excuses for non ending child marriage that we actually started a hashtag. We on Wednesdays now. If you follow us on social media, we have Vomitocious Wednesdays, where we we share oh, all the vomits. We share some of the vomitocious excuses that we have heard for why we shouldn't end child marriage, and I can share some of the doozies with you if you're Please. interested. Oh, By I would love means, that. And you have a garbage can to vomit into? Because okay, yeah, I can grab run, her. run in. <laughs> Thank it. you. Yeah, grab, grab one real quick. Pull up a chair because I got, I got some winners for you. Joseph married Mary when she was eight. If it was no. good enough for God, right? Okay, yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot to the, okay. Uh... And by the way various legislators in different states said that to me. Like they weren't, they didn't even know each other. This came up organically in various conversations with different legislators in different states. They went to Joseph and Mary. And that was eight. So, all right. What else we love? There are so many. One of my personal favorites was I was talking to this one state legislator and I was explaining that these loopholes have been used to Force girls to marry their rapists, especially the pregnancy exception. A lot of states used to have a pregnancy exception to the marriage age, and now mm. only, I think, three states still have it. And this legislator looked me in the eye and said, What's wrong with the girl marrying her rapist? <laughs> if, right.
0: Yeah. I just have fingers and toes to list that out. I mean, you know what? right. Well,
1: also, I'm not going to list that out because I feel like that was, there's a certain level of knowledge you should have come to this conversation this oh, right also to like this I'm world. not wasting my breath. Exactly. So I just, I stood up and I said, you know, thank you for your time. I'm, I'm just going to go now. If I have to
0: explain to you what's wrong with yeah. like a girl marrying her rapist, I, yeah, I don't yeah. have the time for that. No, also. no. And no it's also does. like you're not going to get, I think there's just not going to be a consensus on where that person's going to land to. It's like, right. Better use that time on another legislator. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And my question to that too though is like, what what did eventually pass and what is passing? Like what has sort of pushed the needle ahead? Has it been more young people being elected to office? Has it been specific conversations, pieces of legislation? Like what what's been the mover? Well, what broke the law, Jam by
1: the way, I should say that it took us there were years that went that we couldn't get a single state. To pass this simple, obvious, free legislation. And in a moment of frustration, everyone on the Unchained team promised that when the first US state finally took the drastic step of ending child marriage, we would all get tattoos to commemorate the victory. And I did keep, we all kept our promise. That's my broken chain tattoo because in 2018, Delaware became the first US state to end child marriage. Delaware was also the first US state. So it makes sense that it also was the first U.S. state to end child marriage. There was a legislator there, the legislative sponsor there, Representative Kim Williams. She's just a badass. And she, everyone, you know, there was a lot of pushback. No other state had done this. And then there were all the old fashioned guys saying, the pregnant girls. Oh, my gosh. For... Oh. As one legislator or a different state said, we're gonna be legislating bastards into existence. This isn't this is a direct quote. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. Anyway, oh. Kim Williams got up on the floor of the Delaware House and said and said in response to all the legislators who said, well, We need exceptions for pregnant girls and exceptions for those who are in love and you know, all the nonsense. And she stood up and she said, I will not compromise on the lives of girls. And she, she, you know, she stuck you know, to her guns. She refused to compromise, and Delaware it worked. Delaware became the first state to end child marriage. And in the House, it was divided along party lines, but in the Senate, it was. At that point, we had had time to talk to more legislators, explain the issue, and it was unanimous in the Delaware Senate in two thousand eighteen. And my colleague and I sat there on the floor of the Senate. They let us sit right there in the Senate as they were voting. And one by one, legislators were getting up and saying things like, well, my grandmother married at 14, which usually is followed by, so how dare we pass this legislation? Are you saying my grandma was a bad person? And instead... But times have changed, yeah, and you know, using and both sides of the aisle just getting up one by one to talk about why this legislation is so important to save girls' lives, and then unanimous vote, and it was such an emotional moment there on the floor of the Senate, and legislators coming up to thank us, giving us the hug and the high five we had, had imagined all those years earlier, and I think that that was a real turning point because. A lot of other states were very worried about, we're going to be the first to do this. Oh, my goodness. Maybe it's a bad thing we're doing. But once Delaware had done it, it opened up the way for other states to say, well, yeah, well, we're not the first to do it. This yeah. makes sense. Let's do this. And so then New Jersey and at this point, we have helped to pat, We had unchained with our relentless advocacy and pushing, pushing, pushing and finding great legislative sponsors. We have been able to pass the same legislation to make the marriage age 18, no exceptions, in 10 US states. Awesome.
2: That's great. Which
1: yeah, we talked 20... about this
2: a little bit with a West Virginia representative, too, who has been pushing for that legislation as well and it's just yeah it's such a crazy conversation and i'm actually really curious too how like religious freedoms come into play here and if that's like a roadblock as far as you know maybe why people don't want to legislate on it they just think like there's going to be lawsuits or is that something that's that's blocks a lot of this from passing well interesting
0: interestingly
1: legislators often assume that that religious groups are going to oppose and in fact, we have found the opposite, that every major religion has come forward to support making the marriage age 18 no exceptions. And we've had interfaith support. We've had some small insular religious communities have opposed, including my former community, which held up the legislation in New York and New Jersey each for a few years. But, and there was a polygamous Mormon sect in Utah, there was this really far right Christian group in upstate New York that submitted this memo that uh, Jesus Christ was on a masthead. To give you some mm. sense of what kind of people we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, apparently he's still serving on board. But he, Jesus Christ, appointed to this group, was very concerned that if we end child marriage, then teens would start having sex outside of marriage. Gaps.
0: Oh no. Oh gosh.
2: Nobody would do that. Is that even legal? Like, crazy. How do people survive, uh, you know?
1: (laughs) Anyway, without Jesus' approval. Yeah.
2: Mm.
1: Maybe, uh, yeah, maybe they're asking him. It's unclear. It was unclear Mm. from the memo how this was. Jesus needs to be
2: better with his communication.
1: I (laughs) But in any case, other than that, we've had only support. And in some cases, it actually was almost funny. For example, in Delaware and Pennsylvania, where there's a very large Amish community, legislators in both states said, oh my God, at first said, we cannot pass this legislation. We're going to completely alienate and antagonize the Amish community. They're going to be so offended by this. Until some legislators went to speak to elders in the Amish community. And it turns out the Amish practice adult baptism they're generally baptized between 18 and 21 and they're not allowed to marry before they are baptized so they're they're not practicing child marriage and mm-hmm. the elders were confused and they said why would you
0: just assume that we would be offended <laughs> by ending child marriage and it was so offensive
2: mm, that's totally. so well,
0: interesting it's, it's that cultural competency too yeah. and the, like yeah. you know assumptions are always so dangerous and that's definitely an interesting case of that for sure. I'm curious about the conversation on a national level too, passing perhaps like a national child marriage ban. What does that look like? Is that possible? Would that have the same impact as a state ban? What's that sort of look like?
1: You know, unfortunately, age at marriage has long been accepted to be within the purview of states, rights, not federal. And so if we tried to pass a federal marriage age, inevitably we would end up with another civil war, or at the very least, a lot of states in a certain part of the country, South, (laughs) crying about states' rights. And nobody would even remember we had started talking about child marriage because it would all become a a debate about states' rights. So we have accepted that, unfortunately, we need to go to all 50 states to pass Legislation to make the marriage age 18 no exceptions. And it's a lot of states. It was, I'm trying to remember, was it which comedian said, you know, why do we have two Dakotas? Most countries don't even have one.
0: But <laughs> good point. It's a very, very good point. <laughs> one that I'm probably going to ponder for a while today. That is, <laughs> I should say,
1: we do have a call with a legislator in South Dakota scheduled for tomorrow. She's very interested in introducing legislation. She's one of probably two Democrats in the whole state. So but she she said she can get Republican buy-in as well. So yeah, we're, we're, we have to end marriage in all 50 states. That includes yeah. in the
0: Dakotas and Oklahomas of the world. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I'm curious with that political breakdown of like Republican versus Democrat. Do you typically see that Democrats are more supportive of this issue or can it be more bipartisan? What does that breakdown look like?
1: It's, this isn't a partisan issue. You shouldn't have to be from a certain party to care about girls. But so far, if you look at the states that we've passed the legislation in so far, more of them are blue than red. But but it's not, it's not a partisan issue. And we certainly have gotten support from both sides of the aisle. Our primary sponsor in a couple of states, including New Jersey, was uh, Republican in Pennsylvania as well. And we certainly have gotten pushback from both Republicans and Democrats saying vomitocious things. So uh, for better or worse, this yeah. is a nonpartisan issue. And we get mm-hmm. we get stupidity from both sides of the aisle.
2: Yeah. I kinda I have a question that I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna push two together, two questions. First, what are kind of the most shocking states that you've had a lot of pushback in? And then I'm also just curious at the federal level if there's even an attempt to try it just there and have it sweeping or you know why that isn't stra- the, the strategy
0: sure
1: so in terms of the most shocking state where we've gotten pushback i'm gonna call out california
0: <gasps> do you want to oh, do you want to guess
1: right do you want to guess the youngest age you can marry in california i don't
2: want to know i'm scared i live in california so
1: <laughs> okay so you should know. go just guess Guess the worst case scenario you can think of. 12. You're guessing 12. And Sammy, do you want to guess? I'm guessing that there's no floor. Sammy is correct. It's zero. There's no minimum age in California. And we have census data because California doesn't even bother tracking marriage certificate data in terms of age something almost every U.S. state is doing. I have no understanding. I have told California multiple times I will buy them a laptop and set up an Excel spreadsheet. (laughs) They won't do it. But we have census data that shows more than 8,000 children in California are reporting every year that they got married within the last year, more than 8,000. And the number has been going up each year. So it's a huge, huge problem in California. And It also, it undermines statutory rape laws in California because California, uh, sex with a child is a crime. It's considered statutory rape in California. But their laws hark straight back to the Middle Ages. If you first marry the child, it's not considered a crime anymore. So if you rape a child once... They will throw you in prison in California. But if you sign up for permission to rape the child again and again, they'll say, sure, here's a marriage certificate, go ahead and have some fun. And Ugh. so what we're doing is legalizing statutory rape and subjecting yeah. thousands of children a-, a year to human rights abuse in California. And yeah, legislators have been very, very resistant. And it's just uh, just plain shocking. But... But, man, I'm glad to hear you live in California because we're making a real push now to build ground. Really, we want to build grassroots support and create a groundswell so we can go back to legislators and say, disgusting. Like, mm-hmm. what, what is wrong with you? Why have you not done this already? Yeah. We are your constituents and we insist that you do this. And in answer to your question about federal legislation, as I was saying before, unfortunately, passing a federal ban on child marriage or a federal marriage age would inevitably lead to a whole debate about states' rights and possibly another oh, okay. civil war. However, we are working on legislation at the federal level. Well, let me rephrase, rephrase that. We're trying to get a legislator who at the federal level who cares enough to introduce legislation because we have worked with our allies at uh, two law firms, LA Piper, and White & Case, and. College of William and Mary Law School, we researched the federal code and we identified 11 federal statutes that are on the books today that not only allow child marriage, but actively encourage child marriage. And we are determined to see a federal legislator do the right thing, step up, and introduce legislation to amend these 11 statutes so that the federal government is no longer encouraging child marriage in the United States.
0: Totally interesting. Just seeing all the dynamics play out. I'm curious sort of to something that you mentioned about statutory rape. I know that in some states, some places there are marital rape laws. Do those play in to this conversation at all? And if so, how?
1: So for a long time, states did not recognize rape within marriage, marital rape as a crime. And now most states, if not all, uh, I I don't know if it's all, but I know most states now recognize rape within marriage as rape. That is a crime. However, still until today, most states do not recognize statutory rape within marriage as a crime. So in most states, like in California, if you rape a child, you go into prison, unless you first marry that child. And think about what that means. That's just absolutely Mm -hmm. appalling. And again, I hope you still have that garbage can so you can vomit into it. Just one more indication of how little this country cares about girls. And by the way, in the states where statutory rape is a crime, even within marriage, those that allow child marriage, there's this absurd contradiction then where the marriage is legal, but sex within that marriage is technically a crime unlikely to be prosecuted but it is a crime so we're just making a mockery of the statutory rape laws.
0: Mm.
2: well that is disheartening to hear about my home state i'm also just so curious I'm like what kind of like of those kind of extreme religious groups typically call california home or is it kind of all over the place do you know
1: so far in California, we have not gotten pushback from any religious groups, but they, it, maybe they will show up. To date, they haven't had to because the legislators mm. did all the work for them. Yeah. Legislator, in 2017, a bill was introduced to ban child marriage in California, and it was just watered down to create absolutely, make absolutely no difference. The marriage age remains zero in California. So... Religious, religious groups that didn't show up, but they didn't really have to because the bill just went nowhere very, very quickly.
0: Totally. Well, I have a question concerning 2024 elections where all these state reps in California are going to be up for either re-election or running for office. Are you guys going to be doing any sort of either endorsements or tracker of like who supports banning child marriage? Because that's something like I personally would love to see when looking at a candidate. It's like, mm-hmm. what you know, what issues are there? What do they support? And also seeing like what orgs and their missions are aligned or give their stamp of approval.
1: I love that idea. Unfortunately, as a 501c3, we're not allowed to endorse or oppose any political candidates. So we have never done that. And we're not able to do that in California. But what we would like to do, though, is make this enough of an issue that constituents are asking candidates running in their district, hey, where do you stand on child marriage? And if we could get a commitment from legislators or candidates or legislative office as they're running, if I become legislator, if I win this election, I will ban child marriage or vote to ban child marriage, that would be wonderful. But that that's yeah. gonna be up to the people of California to make that happen. We're we're trying to get as much attention on the issue as possible. Yeah. Well, what comes next
2: for this movement and how can people kind of get involved in, in this fight? Again, we've talked about this topic before on the show, and I think we had a lot of feedback of like, what child marriage, everyone's minds were blown. So I think it was really nice to get this deep dive on this issue and see kind of the work that's being done to push back. But yeah, curious what, what's next and how people can get involved in the mission.
1: Well, we have 10 states down. I, I say 10. Michigan is still kind of in the works. The legislature voted the bill on the bills with a 10-bill package, but there was a procedural snafu right before their summer recess. So six of the bills went to the governor, uh, Governor Whitmer, and she signed them. But the other four bills, they have to vote on again after their summer recess, and they'll go to her. So it's not official yet in Michigan. But it already passed, there's no reason to think that those four bills won't make it to Governor Whitmer's desk and fall. So if we have 10 states, that means that we have been able to ban child marriage in 10 states, 20% of the U.S. And by the way, census data shows that in those 10 states, 7.5 million girls live in those states. So think about the huge number of girls whose lives are now improved because of those bills that have passed. But of course, we still have 40 states or 80% of the United States to go. So I ask everyone to go to UnshainAtLast.org, look up your state, progress or challenges in your state, and we have specific steps you can take to help end child marriage. Everything from following us on social media and and enjoying or unenjoying the Vomitocious Wednesdays with Mm us to joining us at one of our chain and protests. We provide the bridal gowns and the chains. We did one in Northern California in Sacramento just a couple of weeks ago. We're planning another one soon in Southern California. Join us at one of those or take any of the other actions. We also have email campaigns in states where we're active right now. There's an email campaign on our website for California if you live in California you put in your address it'll pull up your state legislators and there's the pre-written email that you can just with a couple of clicks and uh, 30 seconds every time send to your legislators letting them know that you expect them to end child marriage in California and we have that in a lot of other states as well
0: love it awesome. that will definitely be an action item in our newsletter next week that is for sure and beyond Thank you so much for joining us and walking us through this issue. This has been amazing. So thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you for shining your spotlight on this important issue. Thank you.